Welcome to the Fangirls Podcast with Danny and Jess. I'm Danny. And I'm Jess. And we're claiming back our power as fangirls, one scream at a time. Let me hear you fangirl. Okay, Danny. So this week we are looking at community. It's our third ever podcast. Um, shit's getting real. <laughs> it's like, been, yeah, <laughs> it's going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, everyone that is still with us and has been listening and commenting and just leaving amazing feedback. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, each week we ask you what you are fangirling over this week, and you can answer that question right on Spotify underneath our episode and then we'll publish your answer for others to read too which is really cool because we get to share each other's interests along the way um so this week yep. before we get on what I've, with the actual content yeah we're without producer joe this week we are without producer joe <laughs> we do not have producer joe <laughs> our lovely producer person who does all the button pushing yeah and the Cable. Jess has done a fantastic job. I did it. We are brought to you today. Thank God for Jess. It's producer Jess. It is producer Jess. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I sound so fancy. Yeah. So what I was able to do, you guys, like what, I tuck my hair behind my ear. Um, <laughs> I clicked in some cables and I pressed some buttons. And- it was a, a lot more complicated than that because <laughs> what even is this stuff I've said yeah. if you have a project you would like me to manage with like pen and paper I'm your gal I but just have a panic this techie tech stuff is it was brilliant when I then went to go talk panicked <laughs> not about not having any sound and realised I was definitely not plugged in <laughs> that so that was fun so yeah it's been a learning curve but we are empowered women who are taking on technology we so are. we are we are breaking <laughs> barriers today we're doing it we're so doing it so okay moving on to actual content yeah. we're moving fast today Grammys yes the Grammys the Grammys yeah okay so we do our podcasts a week later yeah. so they get released a week after we record so hence why we're talking grammys a week after the grammys yeah. um this is it's a new new cycle now for you all but if you could just cast your mind back to about seven <laughs> days ago the grammys were everywhere mm-hmm. and we have had some good stuff for women we've got billy eilish winning an award yeah. for song of the year yeah miley cyrus for which it's it? for flowers yeah i can't quite remember the award name i want to say isn't it like pop song of the year isn't it like two pop different dance was kylie minogue oh okay yeah that i was, saw that which kylie is pretty minogue. cool yeah that's like it's the first she's had one but it was 20 years, years 20 yeah, years ago yeah 20 years right on the dot which is really really cool we had victoria monet who's won best new artist mm-hmm. and then of course we have the final taylor swift taylor swift yeah winning album of the year for the fourth, fourth time. time yeah that's pretty wild historical yes yeah so there's there's a lot that can be said about taylor and i am sure that we're going to talk a lot about taylor today um but what i wanted to, to kind of mention to you is did you see jay-z 
Nikki's speech. I did about Beyonce. I did not having never won. I agree. Best album. I agree. I t- I think it was a really fair speech. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm shocked Beyonce didn't get and like a certain award. This album has yeah. been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I I would say that the Grammys was. Um, you know, we did have a couple of like black female artists, but there was definitely it was definitely very white centric once yeah, again. Yeah, of course. Um, and not to saying that's why Beyonce should have won. It's not about race, but but it but it, it, it is, is it, it is. is. Um, so I just yeah, I just feel like Beyonce deserves way yeah. more credit. I mean, he he rightly pointed out that she has the most Grammys than yeah. than anyone ever, but yet has yeah. never won album of the year and um i found it really interesting because for taylor i mean obviously at the time he didn't know that taylor was going to go on to win that mm. but it was very akin to the whole kanye, kanye west yeah, yeah yeah which i hope people don't confuse with the whole kanye west situation because i no. do feel like jay-z approached it with sensitivity yeah still, absolutely but it was like i'm here for I'm here for my wife. Yeah, That's who yeah. I'm here supporting. Yeah. And I, I think... And I, yeah. to have his daughter on stage as well. Yeah. Like, and I just... Nice yeah, it was... That's sort of... That's the way you're going to do it. And rightly so. Yeah. Beyonce yeah. should be winning Album of the Year. And, I think oh, so. Oh, Swifties, please don't come for us because we do still <laughs> love Taylor. Um, yeah, I mean... So, new album was dropped. This, yeah, new album. Okay. Not expecting new album. No. We were so just like, it's going to be... Um, Reputation. reputation yeah yeah we we talked about it didn't we when yeah, we were like like, like we last, week, last we, week yeah we're like it's reputation because green outfits are in yeah and the oh she played us yeah she totally played us she knew she knew what she, she knew. was doing she knew exactly what she <laughs> I, oh my god i love and hit taylor swift because of this right she so knew what she was doing yeah and it's so frustrating but did you see also so she walked in with lana del rey and she was with lana del rey yes and of course everyone sort of thinking about it was going to be the reput- reputation Taylor's mm-hmm. version um, and so everyone changed their profile pictures to black and white and then Taylor yeah. did and then did you see Taylor's wearing white and Lana's wearing black I have so, so black a lot of people white. have been like the gangs reuniting or something along that so my guess is Lana may be doing something with Taylor this I mean around. yeah I would I would think so I would hope so I think that makes sense yeah I think the fandoms definitely overlap in a yeah. lot of ways I think it makes a definite sense interesting though yes. so I if you're going to pick up on the no, same no, point, no, but Lana Del Rey be in the face of Skims Valentine collection. I know, and then is still BFFs with Taylor. Lana and they're got all... a lot of shit for that. Did she? Yeah, there was a lot of things being like Lana sold out for working with the Kardashians, and I'm like, what? What this? This she has to make money. She what, has yeah. to make money. She has to, and she's culturally I, relevant, and we know that's so what Kim does with Skims. Beautiful, she, and I couldn't think of oh, anyone they were better ama- for that branding. She's oh, I, just, I thought it was perfect. Yeah, they did I her did, justice. Did personally. love the um, artistic and creative direction of that. Yeah, that and I know last week we were looking at celebrity influence, the like the dangers of it, yeah. how it could possibly lead to exploitation. You know, there's clear demographic here about going right. Lana's doing really well. Yeah especially with their fandoms it's a really empowered group right now so let's bring her on so we could argue that but I there, there was something really well done and executed yeah. as a marketing technique yeah I think so too I really I did really like it and I'm not shy about saying that I am a fan of the Kardashians one thing I did want to say Jess is yeah. last week I I wasn't sure if I came across a bit too like critical or cynical and I know that you and I have chatted about this previously but I sort of realized one of the perspectives that I didn't go into too much was that, you know, fans 
friends actually want to buy things that remind yeah. them of the things they love and like I definitely do and I know others do and so while we were sort of talking about that I just um I kind of just wanted to mention that I do appreciate that it's not all like exploitation yes fans yeah. want to buy things and and rightly so like I love buying things that remind yeah. me of the artist that I love so let's go back to taylor because what we have seen right now is so many reactions and i think this is really fitting this week we are looking at community we are looking yeah. at the communities of fandoms um exploring our own experiences with community women in communities all of that kind of stuff and we are seeing taylor's community pop off. oh yeah absolutely. it is going wild out there people are posting reactions people yeah. are there there's just uh, so many emotions everyone is like so excited and like right i, I wasn't expecting it at all and i no. think um, there's also been like conversation around how how that name came to be because apparently like Joe Alwyn is in a group chat with two of our other ex-boyfriends oh. and they called it something like I don't know what the Lonely Hearts Club or something like okay. Um but while we are talking about Taylor I realised I did need to fact check myself last week um, somewhere along the line I had the number five in my head and came up with uh, $500,000 it wasn't $500,000 so in terms of Taylor Swift's impact to the economy for the US economy she has generated $5 billion yes um in terms of like specific case studies in the greater Cincinnati area um she generated 19 90 sorry nine zero million dollars to their local economy um and in colorado she generated 140 million to that state's gdp she needs to generate money from my bank account (laughs) so the average spend of an attendee to her show is about thirteen hundred dollars wow um and so when we were really talking about the purchasing power of fans, um, it's been likened to what someone may spend on sort of like a two-week vacation, mm. um, but is actually for one night yeah. of Taylor Swift. So I thought that was really interesting. And I yeah, just and I to... think you can like see the overlaps, can't you, between purchasing power and community, yeah. how they very much depend on one another. Yeah, um, yeah it's really it's really interesting. Um, she's also since um, since dating. I know we're kind of on the economic thing, um, <laughs> but since she's been dating Travis Kelsey, um, the it's the Kansas City Eagles. Is that right? No, Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs. I yeah, so I thought confused. it was Chiefs. I was thinking yeah. of Kaiser Chiefs because I was thinking. Oh of yeah, Kaiser no, Chiefs. that makes sense. I got so confused. <laughs> I was so, like Kaiser Chiefs. It's the Kaiser Chiefs. And I'm like, it's not the Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> uh, no, so the Kansas City Chiefs, their uh, revenue has increased by four hundred percent since she's been attending wow. those um, football games. That is. That is insane. That's crazy. There are a lot of angry American football fans. Why? Um, because she's attending the football games. And but who would care when you're generating that kind of money? Well, she's drawn all the attention away from the sport. Oh. And so this idea of like this woman is getting all the attention and all she is is like this girlfriend. Rubbish. And, you know, why does Taylor Swift have to be at the football game? And all um, fair, Victoria Beckham had the same. Yeah. She had yeah. exactly the same, didn't she? Yeah. Like, they gave her shit. Yeah. Why is she there? Why is she taking yeah. away sort of the sport? spotlight and and different things that's interesting in terms of community what taylor swift is doing for like women getting into sports is incredible because i've Mm -hmm. seen even like random influencers that i follow have suddenly now been introduced to nfl games because 
essentially because of the relationship yeah. and they're going it becomes a safer space doesn't it yeah and they've said oh my god i never realized like sport could be like this sport could have this yeah. kind of community that it could feel this good and i could participate mm-hmm. and have started building sport fandoms now yeah. um, and i think that's i think that's amazing i think but that's... it's also really sad that we have so many female-led sports we still don't have those reactions yeah and it took a cele- again coming back to celebrity yeah. it took a celebrity influence to be like here's a really positive role model for women to feel safe yeah it wasn't actually the women within the sports yeah no that, like, that, that really media is, yeah. attention still isn't there and that that i think really because that's the that's the one thing that i get really attached to when it comes to sports is i like watching women play sports yeah. i i find it i don't know what i I've just it's connectable i see yeah. it's much more relatable um so yeah i think that bit does entirely suck that we're like oh my god Taylor Swift's going and we're like there's, there's loads of women yeah there's no, loads that's a really of women good point. Um, I can't say that I'm really like super into sport like, no it's never, I'm, like, not one of those things. I'm not either um, I wish I was I wish I was like yeah not just like playing but I don't it's never yeah. it's never kind of um done it for me i suppose but now that we've like started this research and this project like looking into sports fandoms and the communities and everything like i think it's incredible and yeah it has a lot of benefits doesn't it yeah yeah absolutely so Mm. which i mean like i think i you know spoke to you about this before you know what sport fandom does provide for men as well it does give them a space that they don't necessarily have um because men and women's socialization practices are so different different. when it comes to expressing emotion Mm -hmm. um and i know that i've seen my partner have sort of some of the hardest conversations with his mates while there's been like a football match on yeah um and i didn't really appreciate until recently just how important that is yeah i think mine was the the, honestly the some documentary I've I oh, absolutely yeah. love that documentary yeah. I think it's amazing I think it's so good I'm not just saying that because it's Ryan Reynolds and um, Rob McElhaney yeah I'm so glad you said I that I can't say I his last name I'm just like Mac Mac from Always Sunny <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like their documentary is really good yeah. I'm just so invested in it I absolutely love it I love how entwined it is with the community but they just did this really good episode where it was all about men's mental health and football and the space that it provides for people um, I just thought that was it was incredible it was really good yeah I'm only about halfway through that documentary yeah, like I started watching one. it and then something happened so I need to go back and I yeah. need to revisit it if you it. haven't out there for those who are listening do go watch yeah. it it's really good it's definitely worthwhile um, so communities that is communities. what we're on this week <laughs> so Jess what communities are you a part of? Um, okay so communities is actually it feels like a mm, uh, <laughs> breakdown um I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. the honest question. I have. I just feel like I've always struggled with just for like a bit of context. And like last week, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't buy a lot of merch. Like my answer for a lot of this is I don't know. Yeah, I feel like which I is have. Okay. I've like started my fangirl journey now. Like I've had. I've been like a closeted fangirl for a lot of oh, stuff, right. and felt like too scared to share a lot of things. Um, so now I'm like kind of getting that confidence, and that's definitely where my approach came to fangirls in yeah. general. Because um, I was too embarrassed or too scared to share stuff and find people who would have similar things because I didn't want to tell them that I like yeah. this thing. And then there's the fear of rejection and the fear of not All being... All the good on... things yeah. that are nice about yeah. being vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... Uh, for me, I just... I don't know. I just felt like I was never quite in a community. Um, okay. Like I remember throughout school, there were people, like I said, that the 
there was a, I've always had individuals yeah really close individuals like I'm re- like I've got Amanda who I share Twilight with I've got Abby who I share Harry Styles with and I've got Asia who like would, there was lots of little fandoms that we jump in and out of I've got my friend Zoe and we do like a lot of emo music so yeah. everyone has they're not the same friendship group okay <laughs> they're all individuals who have like a little fandom that we kind of bond over yeah and that like helps us with our oh, relationship that's really nice. yeah it's really cute but there's there's no like cemented community yeah. slash fandom for me. Um, the, the like the big one that I have found at the moment is going back to Sarah J. Mass me, which yeah. I'll do every single week probably. Um, <laughs> I talk about you, me, and sex every week. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, so yeah, the book world is like what it feels like a safe one. The book world because it's something that's really personal, and I get to put myself in the external yeah. places, I guess. Um, but I don't know. I've just like always felt like. I'm in a community, but I'm kind of always stood on the edge. Okay. So I'm like, oh, I understand the words that you're saying, but I can't add much to the conversation, if that right. makes sense. Right, okay, yeah. Like, with metal, it's always been like that. Like, I'll follow the conversation, I'm into what you're saying, but I couldn't add anything additional, go further in depth like other people are doing. It's the same with, Do you I think, is it because you don't think you have knowledge or that you don't think like what you would contribute or could contribute would be valid in those probably spaces both. Okay. it's probably both there's probably like a lot of self-consciousness and okay. insecurity in me feeling like i'm not valuable to the conversation right. okay. or to the community or it's always like not cool enough am i too great like am i too basic but yeah i don't know communities has been we had a conversation just previously like about relationships yeah. especially female relationships yeah. i love and hate them they're like once you have one, they're like the most amazing yeah. thing, like ever. But finding them, yeah, and I feeling definitely. brave enough to like do it is scary as fuck. I was in my early twenties before I think I really found a group of girls. Now that's not to say like I have had amazing friends. I've had amazing mm. women in, in my life. Um, I'll give a shout out to Jordan because she is like my BFF. Nice. Um, but. It wasn't until I sort of like moved to a different area um, and was closer to my cousin and all her friends yeah. that they sort of like welcomed me with sort of like open yeah. arms. And then we shared, we always, always used to go to gigs together. We had live music that sort of like mm. binded us to one another. Um, and so there's like a core group of six of us. Oh, see, I love and that. I genuinely wish I had that. Most of the time now, it's just a WhatsApp group, but mm. it doesn't matter like what's going on in our lives, whether it's about like kids or relationships or work or, you know, yeah. even with like releasing the podcast, like everything goes in that group. And, you know, before it might have been that we were going out all the time. We were really young when we started going to gigs and, and all six of us went, mm. went to these gigs together as well and house parties and, and, all, and bands and hanging out with everyone. And yeah, so there there is that kind of female friendship there that yeah. I didn't find until like my 20s yeah. but again just a shout out to Jordan <laughs> I love you just I was not including you in that <laughs> just in case <laughs> it is really, like getting older as well meeting new people and it's it's a really weird it's just a really weird experience which like fandoms is helping with that so um yeah joining new fandoms like I said the Sarah J Mass stuff has been and going to like book talk yeah it's been like really fun for me so 
it has helped. But yeah, it's just, it's like even family, like they've all got their fandoms. Like yeah. My family are very influenced by fandoms. And I'm just kind of like always on the edge. I'm just like, cool. And like when I try to participate, it's not quite what they want to hear. Right, okay. So I'm just like, okay, I'll just smile and wave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll smile and laugh along with you because I want to be included, but yeah, I, I'm not. <laughs> it's so strange that you say that. There's like a, I think in my family, there's a little bit of a different perspective where I'm definitely on the outskirts. Yeah, but because I think I'm the one with the fandoms and I'm the one oh, okay. doing something that. But I do. But that's why I have the separate fandoms. Yeah. but they're not like there's tension between theirs and mine. I'm like, oh, I have to like really tailor to like a specific friendship or group. And that's been, that's, that's just something that's been really weird for me to, I think, navigate. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, there's not quite that, you that found group the, yeah. that's like all in, all in it. I think, I think I've experienced both. Mm. I think that like when I talk to you, I sort of feel, um, what's the word? Most understood. Yeah. Um, because we like the same things mm. and we work in the same place and we have, I think, really similar values and yeah. personalities as well. Um, and I do always kind of find that the things I really love or like where my life is is a little bit different to that of the people I'm most closest to. So I always feel a little bit of out of those communities. Mm. But I would say that the reason that I am where I am today is because I did find those communities really early on Mm. and I was 13 when I started going to gigs which is incredibly young and why were they letting us in the clubs (laughs) um but it was a it was a different time um and yeah so I was 13 years old when I first went to a gig and we would regularly go to gigs on the weekend I say we there was a group of friends like I was introduced to um rock music I was Mm. introduced to like people that were in bands at school I was introduced to Kerrang magazine and um wearing massive flares yeah see my dad did all of that for me I just I didn't have it with friends yeah it was yeah so there was there was a core group of friends yeah um that i definitely had and we would we would get ready in each other's houses and i'm talking like 13 14 15 16 17 we were out on the weekend Mm -hmm. we were always at these gigs they would let us in and we didn't cause any trouble and we would like you know we would we just found ourselves as part of this community and that continued on for years until um, I had my first boyfriend and he was in a band and I had known him because he was going to the same gigs and different things mm. Um, and then like that network sort of extended but I would say like they that was a they were transformative years I found community I found a place where I belonged yeah. I knew that I you know wasn't the popular kid at school and wasn't the prettiest kid and wasn't like the skinniest kid and was just a little bit awkward and a little bit weird and that was fully me absolutely still am just a little bit awkward and a little bit weird and so and and so i found like i found my emos you know and so um that made me want to work in music i was you know with surrounded by bands my best friend jordan was in the band Mm. um and I just, just wanted to be a part of it and then started putting on my own, own gigs. Um, and so I went off to uni and that relationship didn't work out. Um, and then I met my partner that I'm still with now. And he, I think, has... He's such a fan of the bands that he loves. Yeah. And he is a collector mm. of band merchandise. And our first gig was like a funeral for a friend gig. And so that introduced me to this other sort of kind of community. And then when I... 
after I'd finished uni and I went out into industry to work, I was lucky enough to to find to be welcomed by another community. Mm. And so the bands that I was working with, like Reaper in Sicily, um, Breathe in the Silence, Clear the Auditorium, Follow My Style, um, they welcomed me with open arms. Yeah. If it wasn't for like the Reaper boys, like I, I don't know maybe I wouldn't have had the confidence yeah. I wouldn't have had the support in order to be able to like do the things that I wanted to do within industry so I feel like I was really lucky to like I've watched The Office recently and like <laughs> the last um, line that Michael Scott says is um, I wish you knew you were in the good old days before they, yeah. when they were happening oh, and Michael I was like Scott. I know and I and that like oh I feel it like I it, was yeah. like so lucky to have the good old days like twice yeah. in terms of like but I was never part of a fandom community I was part of a music community yes okay yes I do yeah there is a difference I think yeah we I just I just loved live music and I just loved working with yeah. bands and I just loved that I, I can't even it's indescribable I, I loved working with young people and helping mm. them develop their skills and working in industry and I love the friendships that I made and the things yeah. that we bonded over and the bands I got to work with and tour with and there was a massive sense of community and mm. like I'm so glad that that happened but I think I was trying to recreate my good old days and now I'm like I'm I don't know how am I ever gonna get that back? Am I ever gonna get that sense of community yeah. again? It's it's yeah. The good old days works and it doesn't work, like because we're just in different chapters. There's still yeah. good old days. Like when you're eighty you're gonna be like that yeah. chapter was good yeah. old days. Do you know no, what I mean? It's just different. Right. It's different. I know. My priorities have changed. Like I really yeah. like being in bed by like nine PM and watching yeah. Netflix <laughs> and just yeah. being old. Yeah. Older. Also, my <laughs> My biggest fandom goal right now, and I guess it's, it's one that I feel like really cringe saying out loud. Say and, it, say oh it. Oh god, <laughs> so you have no idea how desperate I am. So okay, book world. Okay, I'm back in book world. Okay, cool. Okay, so there is some really cool companies that do. I've always, I've always wanted to do cosplay. Like okay. Always wanted to do cosplay. But like obviously fantasy based cosplay. I just I love it. Um but there's this company and they do night court balls and it's where you okay. dress up and obviously nice big black glittery ball gowns. Well that sounds amazing. As like Fae and elves and you get to be all fancy and they just did a night court one and it's all themed to the um a court of thorn and roses books yeah. and it's all the cat they have people there as the characters. Um and I'm currently on the waiting list for the Halflings Midsummer Feast, which okay. is obviously Hobbits and Lord of the Rings theme. Obviously. Yeah, so I'm like <laughs> if anybody wants to come to that one, that would be really cool. Because <laughs> I'm already looking at corsets and dresses and stuff. But like it's like one of my biggest goals is yeah. like really really want to go to one i don't i really want to go to one no, that's, uh, why yeah. is that cringe i don't know i don't know because like I've you got so I've happy never, when you talk about I'm not, that it's i've never met anyone that's like yeah. into it like i've never met anyone that's like oh that's what i do and there is a lot of like yeah. negativity about cosplay um and like the reactions to that i think yeah. especially women in cosplay like it's a like a totally different reaction like and you've either got to be like really yeah. sexualized or it's got to be something that's really comedic and i'm like i don't want that i yeah. don't want that i don't want either of those i just I... want to be pretty with flowers in my hair <laughs> and little elf ears and go running in a grass meadow that's fantastic that's all i want that's all you want is that okay? you're not asking for much 
<laughs> can I be that? <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting those fan perceptions though within um sort of like uh, uh, uh like pop culture communities of fandom, yeah. and I mean that in terms of like comic books and uh TV series, movies. You know where you mm. sort of like typically like have it like comic cons and where you've got cosplay and different yeah. things, and the perceptions of fans within those spaces. Um. I was recently reading um, a book about um, manipulating fandom yeah. and exploiting fandom and sort of the perceptions that we have of like men in those spaces as well and like they give um, a case study of like the Big Bang Theory yes. and so this idea of like if a man is into sort of like this kind of pop culture fandom that they live in their mother's basement and they're a virgin oh, Yeah, there's and a lot of like hegemas- hegemonic yeah. masculine perspectives within the way that we view men and fandoms yeah, as well. Yeah, it's really... I, yeah. I found that to be really interesting, but you are right. And then in the case of, like, women in those spaces, mm-hmm. the over-sexualisation, or you sort of just... Yeah, either like... way, they are, like, hyper-feminine perspectives. Mm. Like, men are either devalued and... Yeah. Like, it's, it is, like it has a sense of femininity to it to like devalue it's like playing with toys and oh yeah like do you know what i mean like it's all of this it's it's like a a really emotional manipulative way of viewing men within those communities and then again with women it's either like like hyper sexualization of them or it's we're gonna make it really comedic and yeah just yeah i don't know it's it's really it's a bit yeah yeah it's messy yeah it's interesting to look at how we view different fan communities in different fan spaces mm. as well. Because I was thinking, um, well, actually, I think I might be a part of a community and it would yeah. be the Disney community. That's cool. Because I, like, I engage with a lot of content online yes. to do with, like, Disney parks. Yeah. And so... I regularly watch like you know news updates. Yeah, and I think I... I did see one that you put the other day, and I was like, I don't know what this means. Oh, what did I put the other day? I think somebody put up a review of a hotel or something that they booked into a hotel, and everyone was like, Oh, good luck finding that hotel, buddy. I don't know what <laughs> I can't it remember. What... And I was like, What is going on? <laughs> what am I missing? I out? don't remember what I, what... I, and don't... I commented on it. Yeah, but I can't which I share what... it. No, you commented on it, and it popped up on my on my. <laughs> on on your yeah, on your yeah page. whatever it's called. Oh, that's um, so funny. I can't remember what it was it's because I don't comment. I will not comment a lot, and then all of a sudden, like and now and again, and but there's um. So it's start like it's such a big holiday to plan. Like yeah. I literally used to have like I have itineraries like day by day of like oh, because you're trying I'll do that anyway. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> I'm I'm totally okay with holiday it. And I'm like yeah, this so is my to do list. For everything's today. planned out so we know like you know what park we're going to in the morning and yeah. you know, when are we taking breaks and different things. And so there's so many things to learn. And so when we first started planning for this holiday, like one didn't plan it very well, mm-hmm. and then. But got involved in all these different communities where people give you like uh, tricks and tips, and right. they want like how do I get from here to there, or what's the best, you know, what shoes do you wear, all these different things. And sometimes, you know, I I will comment and I like I want to help. There's other, you know, I want them to have yeah. a good holiday. So I'm like, okay, we've done that. So here's sort of my review or how you might mm. want to do that or have you thought about this. Um, and then yeah, and watch a lot of like um, influencers on YouTube. Oh. Like there's. Um, page in mr morrow yeah which actually has like a full merch range with a company called roosevelt's and so they're all like disney themed um like shirts they're pop culture shirts as well but typically disney ones and he has his like range because his youtube channel is like grown that much and he is like the most wholesome individual ever so we're just watching his experiences in the park so i'm 
sitting in, at home watching someone else at Disney and I'm like, yeah, that's not that's not weird. Like that's become part of my life. <laughs> and it's not weird. It's because I do it, it's fine. Um but yeah, so part of this online community of like I'm constantly engaging with this yeah. this content. And I don't again, it surprised me. I didn't know this about my personality, yeah. but I just love I love the parks. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we've just spoke about our experiences. We're looking we've naturally gravitated towards fan experiences that are positive fan experiences within communities that are positive but what about communities that aren't so positive and i don't mean like our experiences being negative but i mean anti-fans yeah anti-fans i absolutely love like talking about anti-fans i find it so fascinating Mm -hmm. so anti-fans um are people that actively dislike someone um a brand or an artist um and they just basically express negative opinions towards them you can think of like online trolls yeah so we did this in first the first week and we spoke about that spectrum what it is to be a fan so they're still on that fan spectrum it's not something that's external no no not at all technically within that spectrum and it's because they're giving that level of attention still yeah so like if you actually hate something just ignore it yeah because when <laughs> once you engage you're you're fueling that thing that yeah. you dislike um but what i find what i find really interesting about anti-fans is how artists and brands and celebrities will use anti-fans to yes. their benefit think about something that you dislike you ultimately dislike something out there whether it's a person whether it's a band <laughs> whether it's like you know a book oh i can't why do people keep still talking about harry potter yeah. ah you've just become an anti-fan but mm-hmm. you'll also have things that you like as well and so we're we're both everyone is both when you're a fan of something ultimately you're probably going to be an anti-fan for something as well um but it benefits. It benefits so many. Yes. And there is no one that benefits more from their anti-fans <laughs> than the Kardashians. Yeah, they got that game going Oh, on. my God. Just the whole trajectory of their career is how, basically, to divide opinions and have people mm. sort of, like, outraged about them, talk negatively about them. Yeah. But they're part of the conversation, right? And all that attention whether it's like positive and most notably when it's negative it just turns into free press about them we're still like still having a conversation still yeah. creating content and they could be like really small opinions or like really big ones as well like going from like kendall cutting a bloody cucumber, the cucumber yeah. oh my god or like <laughs> you know big stuff like kim and the porn videos like, do you yeah know what I mean? like, yeah and that is so divisive isn't it yeah. but that straight away is like they set you into two categories but yes. you're both talking about the same topic yes. which is the kardashians yeah um and i think they really do utilize this and i have watched the later season um where kim and courtney have had a major sort of falling out over Courtney's wedding taking place in Italy mm-hmm. and then uh, Kim doing the Dolce and Gabbana. Which we had, this is the one, th- I think this is the only time we nearly argued. Is it? Yeah, we got heated. Did we? Yeah, we got really heated because Why? you were team Courtney and I was team I Kim. am team Courtney. Yeah, though. I'm not, t- I was just like, get over it. It's a business deal. Like, and I was like, but it's her wedding. What? You don't make a business deal for a wedding. But there was sentiment. I understand. I understand. <laughs> right, okay, so. Okay, I do understand both. I do understand both. I do understand both. I just think. We're getting heated. Oh, I, 
But that's the point, right? Yeah. So we've fallen into a category. They've divided <laughs> us. It's one storyline. They're sisters. They're best friends. Like, it's all sorted out as yeah. any family drama is. Mm-hmm. But suddenly, we're in two teams. I love Kim. But in that situation, I'm an anti-fan of Kim. Because there's, there's that thing of, like, are you seriously copying me? Like, yeah. and it's not intentional. But I think... Yeah, I just I think it just triggered off something to do with the fact that I have like so many sisters. Um but perfect example, right? Because we're still we talking it. It about works. them. The and works. it was like it was massive and it got people really invested again back into them. Mm-hmm. But all they did was activate anti fans. And not necessarily the people that are always opposed to the Kardashians. Yeah. They did it within their own fandom as well. So yeah. we served a purpose. Um, referred to as a collective cultural performance which I really liked as a term but yeah that's why but we see it like all over the place you'll see it in wrestling especially Mm -hmm. where you've got like a favourite wrestler that comes out into the ring and you're either like cheering or you're booing Um, we see it when we you know any time that there's like Like a hero and a villain yeah. yeah so I just I I just love Andy fans I think Mm. it's like as a also not just as like this sort of like cultural performance yeah but also as this marketing tactic as well it's very clever i mean like the whole taylor uses it yeah taylor does use it very well and that's why i was like so adamant reputation was going to be dropped because she brought it back in to that person of the year interview yeah where she was like i'm gonna bring kim back into this she's fine like it's your job you bring it out whenever you want yeah but like you do that this was... is this purposeful like are you doing this because we but now it's not dropping so now all my... yeah but you think it probably won't be that long until it yeah dies. she probably does like she's probably gonna this is april isn't it the new album so i'd imagine yeah. she's gonna drop it like soonish yeah i don't know maybe yeah, i don't know it's interesting i i would have thought they should drop this before a new album i don't know yeah but then but i this suppose keeps like... her busy for a while doesn't it yeah that's it it keeps us also keeps talking about it and anticipating it for a while yeah. as well because if she dropped reputation now then we'd be like okay well like what's next yes but now it's we've got the new album and then we've anti yeah. britney and justin britney and justin mm-hmm. yeah how do you feel about justin timberlake i don't like him you don't like him i used to love him used to love him yeah like he mm-mm. Oh, yeah that album with senorita mm-mm-mm. i was like <laughs> i was seven year old and i was like this is me i'm, I'm senorita <laughs> no idea what it means Hello. singing in the car it was really like i was like either justin timberlake or is mika so i obviously had a thing for men with high-pitched voices and i was Does like seem that way i'm into this <laughs> but i loved it uh so that was interesting <laughs> yeah no i used to love justin the Britney and Christina thing, I never caught up on that. Like, Britney versus... I was into either of them. Oh. I was into either of them. I, I think for a while I was out of Britney and I went more Christina. But oh. I think it was an age thing. I was probably team Britney. Um, but then I also, at some point, just completely was like, ugh, pop music. Yeah. No, yeah. I think everyone um, did that, yeah. Very, very much so. I When I got into, like, Eminem and I was like, ugh. Britney and Christina. But actually, oh my God, Britney and Christina. I remember of disliking both of them, and this sucks, was obviously when all the stuff came out with Britney, yeah. and they were really going hard on her. There was a moment where I was like, oh God, Britney. Because mm. like, you, you just, yeah. like, I, I, I don't know how old I was, like 13 maybe, I think. So you just fall for it. Yeah. And the same with Christina when she got bigger. 
And she yeah, goes, oh, wait, that bloody awful. Like, like, and now I'm like, that didn't last one, thank God. Like, that definitely didn't last that long. Yeah. Um, but those were the ones where I was like, noticeably having yeah. a disinterest in those two women. Yeah, I remember. It wasn't when they're being pinned against each other. I think maybe definitely when they were being pinned against each other. Okay. I think because I did like Christina Aguilera, but I felt like I couldn't like her because, because if like Britney. in her meant I didn't like Britney, yeah. and I was like, and I absolutely love uh, Britney yeah. Spears as as a god. I the like... only one I did it with, and I remember I used to get so mad, mm-hmm. so mad, was Kelly Rowland in Destiny's Child. You didn't like Kelly Rowland? I used to scribble her face. Oh up. no! How awful is that? I'd be like, no, it's Michelle. It, but it's just like. It would be interesting to go How back weird. and to see what the kind of marketing and messages were yeah. back then. Because obviously it was not really like Beyonce and yeah. my aunt's called Michelle. Oh. And I was like, I'm Team Michelle. <laughs> there was no teams. They're on the same team. Just, yeah. <laughs> They're the same band. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I, I remember I just at some point was like, ah, pop music, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. everything with it. And, I, and it was definitely like, I, I did not know I tell you this. I did not know that you could swear on a CD <laughs> until I listened to the Marshall Mathers LP. Yeah. And the only reason I listened to the Marshall Mathers LP is because I was on a school trip to France when I was in <laughs> year seven. So I was 12 years old. Yes. And we went into a supermarket and they had like little listening stands. Yeah. And they had Britney Spears, Oops, I Did It Again, which was her second album. Right. So I was definitely getting that. And then they had this other one, which was this guy sitting on the front porch, black and white. And I was like, oh, you know, just listen to everything. And I listened to it and it was insane. Yeah. And you could swear on it. And he was saying all these things that I'd never heard anyone say before. So I bought the Marshall Mathers LP and oops, I did it again. <laughs> and yeah, at the same time, listened to it on the bus and became obsessed with like yeah. Eminem. See, I grew up with new metal, so there was a lot, there was a lot yeah. of like, I would yeah. just fall asleep in the car and my dad's, like, blasting, like, Papa Roach. And I'm like, oh, this is so relaxing. Yeah, so, like, How Eminem, nice. like, opened the door then, like, into new metal. Yeah. Um, I, like, my, I remember my dad buying me chocolate starfish and hot dog flavoured water for my 13th birthday. <laughs> and I was like, this is, a, this is a great. Do you know how many times he says fuck on that song? Um, not off the top of my head right now. I know it's a lyric. Um, yeah, and then, like, Lincoln Park and Papa Roach and kind of got into it that way. But there was a time when I was absolutely just so obsessed yeah. with Eminem. And he didn't like Britney Spears and he didn't like boy bands and so I didn't on the note of boy bands this is where I have to make a confession that I promised my dad I would make I don't remember this okay I don't remember this I was in (laughs) nappies I was in nappies, but my dad... Don't say that. I was. Don't say you were in nappies. <laughs> I was in nappies at a very old age. <laughs> no. I fully remember these people you are going to mention right, right now. And so I, I don't know how old I was in. This is where I need to... So my dad ragged my ass up after listening to the first podcast and was like, no, no, no. You did listen to boy bands. And apparently I was a great lover of blue. And I would run up to the screen and get so excited and give them lots of kisses on the screen because I would be like yeah. oh. so uh, that's that <laughs> I did my confession I don't remember this so it's yeah not real. I bet yeah well I don't remember loving this boy band it was um, hmm. actually saying that no I do have another confession McFly and Busted were the boy bands 
And I, I again, I couldn't pinpoint anti fans. Yeah. Busted versus McFly. You were yeah. one or the other. It was Busted because Busted were the original. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I saw Busted I saw when I was 14 years old. In a nightclub in Cardiff, oh my God, I love it wasn't like an eighteen plus event. Another it really was like another like main download. <laughs> but I saw them on a lineup with the Cheeky Girls. Oh no, that was my first CD, Danny. <laughs> that was the first CD I ever bought myself. Yeah, and I'd have a little like... headset and I'd live in the bath and I'd be like, I'm listening to the Cheeky Girls. <laughs> yeah, I saw them with the Cheeky Girls, Blazing Squad, and the Sugar Damn. Babes, and I was obsessed. I loved Busted. I was I obsessed that. with Busted. That's cool. And then, obviously, like by the time Busted was over, it was of the right age for him to to transition over then into yes. Fight Star as well. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So, hang on. Um, <laughs> Frank Carter. Okay, Frank Carter. Okay, so this is kind of a good finishing point because this is for sure what I'm fangirling over this week. Um, Frank Carter has dropped their full new album, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. It's the Dark Rainbow. And Brambles, oh my God, makes me wet. <laughs> That is the level of investment that we want. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I hope you got your face on camera because that was amazing. It's a very red face. I actually stopped recording on my phone then, so I didn't even have oh, it. Oh, no. I genuinely wasn't meant to say that. Do we keep that in the podcast? Am I keeping that in the podcast? Oh, I'm so sorry if my dad and mum are listening to this. And it came out and I was like, do you know what? It's true. <laughs> It's all true. <laughs> it's so good. I'm in love with it. Yeah. Um, but what I find really interesting with Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, and just going on the topic of anti-fans, because they're having a lot of people comment about like selling out, or the sound isn't what it was, or it's not as aggressive, or not as good in general. Um, and I've just... So we've talked about Yumi at Six and how they started off like being a, girl, a band yeah. for girls, and then moving to find more of a masculine-fronted crowd. Yeah. It's like Frank Carter started with a masculine-fronted crowd and have now gone the other way. And I don't mean it like being softer sound means you're more feminine. No. It's more way more than that. Like, so their gigs, they always do the non-binary um female fronted mosh pits which are really okay cool. yeah the men can be a bit weird around it like they don't really let you in the mosh pits okay me and my friend abby did it at two thousand trees and they like they were literally like arms up at your neck like you don't go in and you're like what the fuck this this is he's literally telling us to go in yeah like, bugger off what are you doing but also like get a grip because had he not said anything you wouldn't have noticed yeah you like just stop he would stop he'd be like get out get out the pit this is i'm not telling yeah. you to go in the pit i want female presenting yeah. people in the pit this is their song it's for them so there's like there's the conversation that he's inviting that they're inviting the band um for women in in these kind of environments are amazing yeah they make me feel really safe um i found that their merch designs they're like the actual merch products like there's more tote bags the t-shirts are like i don't know there's just something different that i can see that they're trying to engage with the female fronted audience and i find it so interesting and i it wasn't necessarily the sound there are still elements that sound like the previous albums yeah but the lyrical content there was the lyrics 
are sexy. Okay. They are like romantic. They are okay, sexy. No, that, that is really interesting. There's, like, there's just something like so like alluring and seductive yeah. to this album yeah. that makes me just automatically think I'm like, there is something in this that is tailoring to yeah. women. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's interesting you say about like the lyrics and stuff. I know this is a you know quite an I an old case study, I suppose. But like in the past when Bon Jovi were yeah. like you know the 80s and early 90s their lyrics and their um, music videos and their stage performances were very heavily geared towards women yeah um, and were very romantic like mm-hmm. you've got Bed of Roses and Always and they, there's yeah. love songs there's a lot of like you know upbeat songs as well they weren't all love yeah. songs but typically with the imagery and some of the lyrics that they used it was very much geared towards like women and then as we get into the 2000s they they changed really who their music was targeted towards and it's more about empowerment of men and so you get like it's my life and it's more kind of along those lines where like men become the protagonist within the videos as well Mm -hmm. and so yeah so it's interesting that you note that like the lyrics have changed really as well there's something that definitely it did happen in the last album as well um a little bit more with like um is it a butterfly can't love a spider and angel wings like there's just something in there that is a little bit has an has a feminine touch yeah and then we have tyrant lizard king which is like okay <laughs> like wait that's like that's just fuck it <laughs> you know um and then but yeah i don't know there's something really it feels really intentional it feels okay. i'm just in love with it i think i think it's a great album and they're getting a lot of crap for it by the community at the moment oh okay that like, change of sound and people just thinking they sold out but technically like musically it's phenomenal okay. i think as an album. it's really interesting isn't it when fans then sort of like actually maybe they're becoming anti-fans in that in that situation yeah. and there is that backlash and um you know art is always subjective as well mm. isn't it so it's nice that there seems to be this sort of change to accommodate women and i want to yeah. use the word like accommodate rather than to like change to exploit yeah and this the, but the thing is we're getting this reaction now that is anger towards it it's like it's like the people i can see having an issue with this would be like gender's got nothing to do with it keep gender out the conversation but, but then having an issue with it not sounding like it once was yeah. and then attaching certain gendered but gender is a part it. of it it is yeah. a part of it it's hard to really ig- ignore that the gender is always a part of it it's always a part of popular music yeah like it informs gender in society and culturally yeah. and we see that played out through the the visuals and and through mm-hmm. lyrics so i think it's really hard to have a conversation about popular music and not include gender yeah and that doesn't matter what what genre we're looking at but I, what i think is really interesting about um frank carter is that that is a complete change from what we're used to historically from rock yeah. music as well to really accommodate women as as women as individuals as 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 people perhaps yeah. and not as accessories it's really weird because it's like also like the minimal behavior that women as artists do yeah but they're already accommodating women and yeah. I'm here like, Frank Carter, well yeah, done. Okay. Well done for accommodating women. And you got like, there's just female artists that like, I do that every day. I do that, yeah. Every day. It is, it's I so think. So odd. I think that we don't have to overpraise, but we can certainly like recognise that, that there must be challenges they face. Yeah for having done that because like we said previously like i assumed like josh's comment about being a band for girls probably comes from 
internal pressure yeah. about masculinity and it's the genre of music that it that's is that's very true and so it takes a lot to be that the person that goes no this needs to be yeah and like we can, and not even necessarily like because they're trying to do it as like as a stance of you know be it yeah be it i don't think it is i don't it's, it can it's, just, done in, it's done in such a gentle it can just genuinely be like this is way. the music that we're making yeah. and if it appeals to this demographic then great and if they feel more included then that's fantastic yeah and i we're think not that genuinely to, is where yeah. it's coming from for these guys it would be cool. i think amazing I mean, this is like future stuff, but I would really, really hope that we could talk to artists in the future where we can say, hey, this seems to be a change here. Like, can we talk about it? Like, My friend Abby got tattooed by Frank. No way. Yeah, he has his tattoo studio, but it's like hundreds of pounds. Mm -hmm. Like last week I talked about tattoos as merch and her tattoo as merch. It's very, very expensive. (laughs) But to have Frank touch you and talk to you. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, maybe we'll Mm-mm. we'll just we'll put a pin in that for a moment, and we'll see what we can come up with in future series. Oh I think gosh. I think that would be oh a really good idea. Oh my god, I'd be screaming down the mic, screaming. Actually, I would. I'd say nothing and just be like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> okay, right. We're gonna we're gonna finish there. Yeah, because this baby's long. Okay, so Jess. <laughs> What are you fangirling over this week? I'm over. I'm on Frank. I'm still on Frank. You're still on Frank. It's great. It's Frank. Oh, and Last Dinner Party. I'm totally into Last, last Dinner Party. Dinner party. Oh my god. So I'm a big Florence lover, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and they're a big Florence lovers. And oh, they're okay. they're aesthetic. Their sound. It's like dark, romantic, feminist rage. And I'm like, oh, beautiful. That is your vibe. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's like gothic, fantasy based, like the all female fronted yeah. band. Um, songs are amazing, like indie pop. Um, I just love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to check that out. They've been on non-stop, like literally on repeat. That's what I'm listening to right now. Fab. This is fun. How about you? What are you fan getting over this week? This is a sad one. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. My favourite band announced that they're splitting up. Sad. I am devastated. I had so many friends message on behalf of you, like, being oh, like, did they? Is Daddy okay? <laughs> I was not okay. I literally, I got, I think I got in from work, and this is the day before my birthday. This is the evening before my birthday. Yeah. And I had just got in from work, and I picked up a message from my cousin, which was just a video. Yeah. And I watched it, and I was like, what is happening? And then I read the caption, and I was like, <gasps> No, this can't yeah. be happening. I saw, yeah, the Facebook cover is what I saw first. I, I like, didn't see oh, that. And then and then the other people started it? sending it to me and then I started sending it to other people. Oh, and I was like, I can't believe this sad. is happening. And then and then I got a little bit emo and I posted a status that was like, this band means so much to me. Mm-hmm. And like, they've been the catalyst of this podcast and they the soundtrack of my life. And, and then I put it on my Instagram story and I tagged them and I tagged Josh. And then Josh liked the tag, oh. and then I fangirled out, being like, and my other half is there, and I'm going, "Do you find it weird that I'm like this age and I'm still doing this?" And he's like, "You just carry on." And I was like, "I, I, just, I know it's sad, I do that. but I'm so mixed emotions. There's so many just ups and downs. Um, but yeah, you me at six are calling it a day. I am it devastated. Sad. It's sad. I, I'm not prepared for it. So I immediately went and purchased slam dunk tickets. Oh, okay, okay. And I was—I wanted to go to Sand Tank anyway, but right. immediately I was like, "That they're going to be gone." Yeah. Before I, yeah. So on February, 
it's this coming Sunday. So actually, I would have already been to a Yumi at Six concert by uh, by the time this is released. Okay. So, uh, yeah, go in, go in cool. there. I'm very happy. And, okay, so it's close. And then, yeah, and then we've got Slam Dunk. And then I guess I'm... Oh, so also, the Blackout. I know this, I'm going off on a tangent, <laughs> right? You know we're talking about, like, fan communities. Yeah, 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 yeah. So part of like um one of the fan part of like loving music and whatever and mm-hmm. the work that I did previously like got to work really close with the blackout so I do consider myself to be part of like the blackout community yep. I think there's a Welsh music community like especially mm-hmm. um but so they've got gigs coming up because they're like reunion tour yeah their last one is in London and yep. Sean upon seeing that you at six are breaking up was like maybe we should get Josh to come in and do guest vocals on um this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. And uh, now I'm like, I-, I think I need to go to London because it's going to be the London show that Josh gets on stage and does that, right? right? Yeah. So I need to go to London for the last blackout show. So I want to do that. Nice. But that is just me. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see him in Cardiff anyway, the blackout. Yes. But now I'm like, the blackout plus uni at six. And I think it's I just... Good. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. That was a long <laughs> one. So... That's the end of our third ever podcast. Yeah. We're doing it We're nearly through the season now, which is, it's gone fast. Yeah. It's gone really fast. It's, I've, I've really enjoyed being able to talk about these things. Yeah, it's been um, really nice. And I hope that there's like an opportunity for people to just think about things a little bit differently, like yeah. things they might not have considered and also get to reflect upon their own fandom. But also please tell us about your fandom. Tell us about the yes. communities that you're a part of. We want to hear. We yeah, want to know we about do. it. We do. We want you to be super excited so thank you very much guys for listening for checking us out if you this is the first one that you're listening to let us know what you're fangirling over this week and yeah have a good one yeah bye (laughs) see you later Let me hear you fangirl, join the fangirl revolution.